Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Aging Younger with David and Stephanie Tippy, founders of the Anti-Aging Clinic in Water Hill, Florida, where the alternatives matter. Now here are your hosts, David and Stephanie Tippy. Welcome to our listeners. I'm David Tippy. Welcome to the Aging Younger Show. And this is Stephanie Tippy. Welcome to Aging Younger Radio. David and I broadcast live every Wednesday from our clinic in Tamarack, Florida. We can be reached at 954-742-4430, and you can visit us online at livelonger123.com. I'm really excited about this evening's show because we have a very special guest. She happens to be another Blog Talk Radio uh, host uh, as well. Her name is Elizabeth Hamilton Gorino, and she is a Hay House author. Her book, which is due out in April of 2014, is Percolate, Let Your Best Self Filter Through. Well, just the word percolate makes me want to percolate, and that's why I asked Elizabeth to join us so that she can share with our listeners, her views on life, and how she gets people to have their best self come through the filter. Elizabeth, welcome to Aging Younger Radio. Yes, welcome, Elizabeth. Hello to both of you. Thank you so much for having me on your show tonight. I I hear the word Florida, and it makes me want to fly there. I wish we could have done the show in person. It's a little cold here in Maine. (laughs) Well, let me tell you something, Elizabeth. If it were up to me, I'd be up in Maine versus Florida. Isn't that a riot? (laughs) Of course, it's the way it goes in life, isn't it? I saw the pictures that you posted on Facebook with the pump. How you uh, put out the Halloween scene with the pumpkins and the leaves and your kids, and and I just brought back my memories of when I grew up in New York, and then I lived seven years in Massachusetts, and I want to go back. Yeah, it's pretty, it's definitely pretty here, but it's getting a little chilly, and uh, I know with the Red Sox playing tonight, they're going to be playing in a little bit of cold weather. So, but uh, it's all good. And I like that. I love the fact that that brings you back to your childhood because that's why I do it, I think, too. I think it's more for me than the kids. Half the time, all the stuff and the decorations and everything is pretty funny. It's very well, kid-like. Even though we're here in Florida, David does a really nice job of decorating. Uh, so what did you put out there, David? We, we have the pumpkin. Uh, um, the witch and the pumpkins and... No, and pumpkin fun. lights, and uh, we're the only townhouse in our development that has Halloween decorations. Oh, I love it. See, that's the good spirit. Yeah. Well, that's why you are who you are, I think, and I'm, I believe you're a life coach, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm a life coach and a new Hay House author. That's the fun part, a new one. <laughs> so I haven't been there for a really long time, and I'm learning the ropes, and Learning, learning the process, uh, you know, of, of percolating with Hay House as well. So lots of really nice people there. I, I, I thank everyone there tremendously. And, and uh, the, the book also has a, um, a, a co-author of, uh, her name is Dr. Katie Eastman, and she helped with some of the psychology behind the book and uh, helped with the coffee breaks and things like that. So it's, a, it's been a very big team effort to write, to write a book. Well, t- t- tell, tell us, uh, what is can you go through some of the book for us? Oh, sure. A- absolutely. Uh, Percolate, 
where do you want me to start? Just at the very beginning, or <laughs> I'm oh, doing you know, this. This is my very. I'm percolating with you because this is my very first interview I've really ever done about percolate in the book. So I feel really blessed to to be with you um, doing this. But percolate is a nine nine point process that helps people learn ultimately to percolate peace. To percolate peace. Mhm. I like so that. Need, yeah, to ultimately learn to percolate peace, and it's it basically takes people through the process of lasting positive change. And uh, I love the 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 book is inspired a lot by many different people in my life, but I love to talk about my dad. When I think of percolate, I I talk about my dad a lot, and my own story with food allergies as well. So why why do you talk about your dad? Well, my dad is a stroke survivor. He had a stroke in 2004. And uh, one of the things that the book asks you to do right off the bat is discover your inner aardvark and platypus. And uh, that comes a little bit from my dad. He, Like I said, he's a stroke survivor. And um, he in, endured quite a lot to survive that, that stroke and some subsequent things that happened to him. And he was in a in a facility called Sister Kenny Facility in Minneapolis, and um, at that point we knew he was surviving and so forth, and he was in rehab. And they brought him, they got him out of his bed for the very first time, and brought him down to the speech area. And right right there, the lady, the nurse, said, "We're going to do a speech test with you to see what you can remember and talk, to see how your you know your your talking is and your listening and all those things." And she said, so we have a little alphabet game to play. And so this, this gal says, when I say the letter of the alphabet, I'd like you to tell me what word comes to mind. And for a person who had a stroke and survived what he survived, she was probably not expecting him to even talk. And so when she said A, he said aardvark. Huh? <laughs> That's totally <laughs> off. But yeah, and my dad's brilliant. And then what he proceeded to say was benevolence. Courage, determination, excellence. F was a swear word that I won't repeat right now. <laughs> and ultimately, uh, got I, I've changed it into the word faith. Um, you know, and it and it went from grace to happiness to integrity, you know, and on and on and on. And and I have affection. I now affectionately call that. And what he did was develop an alphabet of life. That is an awesome story. Your your father is a very determined individual. Very much so. To survive what he survived, and he's now since 2011 a kid, uh, 12, sorry, a kidney cancer survivor as well. Well, so he's, can, um, let me throw, yeah. can let me throw a question out because you know David and I, you know a little bit about our 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 history and what we do, and we're all about natural alternatives to the sickness industry, and we're very very um, strong supporters of building the immune system and keeping the body alkaline and healthy. Is your father on any form of natural supplementation? Yeah, he is. He's on a lot of different things, and I I don't know that I want to go and discuss all of his medical history and things like that, but just to give more of like a broad overview of what happened to him and so forth, but very much so. He, you know, most people, if you can make it beyond the five-year mark, that's a miracle after a stroke. And he's, you know, it's now almost 2014, so he's almost at a 10-year mark. And um, so he's, 
he's we call him the warrior, but he my parents are both um, in their seventies now, and they are absolutely amazing. They are just a source of never give up energy. If you look, they've been married for forty years, and they're just they're amazing. And so I thought it was really neat to be able to include my parents and my dad and my dad's story in the book. I would like to ask you a question, if I could, Elizabeth. You were doing, anybody doing a book has to do a lot of research and talking to people and that type of thing. It's always been a puzzle to me, and I've always uh, looked for people who might have been introduced to some of the answers. Uh, I I see our our public of people, just like you and I and the the rest of us out here, as... uh, being something much different than what our ancestors were, and, and I'm going to go ancestral from your father's age because I'm probably right in that area. Uh, you know, back when we were children, if you were over at your uh, neighbor's house and you acted up, well, that neighbor may spank you, and if your father found out, you may get another spanking. Yeah. Now we're in such a... Uh, a tizzy and so politically correct and all of the things, we are now even jealous of our neighbors, not taking respect and love of the neighbor anymore. We're, we're a little more on the jealous side. Sometimes even the car commercials pick that up and say, uh, you know, uh, hey, uh, don't uh, outspend your neighbor, outsmart your neighbor. Did you do any kind of research like that? Well, that's kind of core to my belief system. So I don't know that I, I, I completely agree with everything that you're saying, but one of the cores of best ever you and just my own belief system is there's no jealousy allowed. And I'm just a, such a just such a huge fan of creating community and peace and we and us and just really helping people be their best because if you – if you sit and break people down, or if we, I do a lot of blogs actually on this because I, I'm a mother of four teenage boys, and it would be very. I drive the French French fry mobile. It's funny that you mentioned cars because I I call my car affectionately the French fry mobile, and if I if I spent my energy looking around at all the different cars that people have and the marks that they don't have on their walls and all of these different things. Um, if you spend a lot of time comparing yourself to other people, I'm not exactly positive that's a really good use of your energy while you're while you're here. I just don't um, I don't put my energy there, and I I really encourage people to not do that if you can. And I know I have you, a yeah I, I have a great uh, kind of addition to that, if you will. Yeah, please. That is to continue through life by looking through the windshield of life and not through the rearview mirror because you miss opportunity and it may cause an accident, you know? You know yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I believe everybody that you meet, that you come across, is very special in your world and, that, and people are to be cherished. When you come across somebody like, you know, Stephanie, like you and I have met, I cherish you. I don't get jealous of you. I help you. You help me. And that's that's the way I love relationships. And I think if you're around somebody or you're feeling jealous or, um, you know, whatever it is, I think it's really important to kind of take a closer look and fig- figure out why. You know, I love your quote, and I'm going to quote you. If our lives touch, 
my goal is that we are both our best as a result, Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. I think that is great, Elizabeth, and uh, I was very impressed with that. Thank and you. So yeah. I, Go ahead, I would imagine your life coaching uh, sessions with your clients are extremely helpful. Well, I hope they are to people. I, I have a client right now who I'm helping lose over um, 100 pounds. Really so excited. Um, and her name is Liz Foley, and we talk about it publicly. And um, she talks about it on her Facebook and so forth. And so far she's lost 20 pounds. And um, just really, really excited for people. And so with with life coaching and so forth, it's it's not so much me telling you or, or somebody what they have to do. It's sort of putting people back in touch with themselves and who they are to the core, who they, what their heart is, what their heart is telling them that they might be ignoring or all sorts of things. But life coaching is very fun. Um, and I, I like to think that if our lives touch, not, you know, you, like, like David, you just taught me something. And, and so that's really important. It's not just, life coaching isn't a one-way street. I think when you're on the phone with somebody, you really learn a lot about them and they learn a lot about you and you help each other. You know, I, I come from a sales background uh, before um, getting involved with uh, helping people with their health. And the first thing that I learned uh, from my mentors is that no matter who approaches you, even if the person cleaning the hospital floors wants to know about your product or what you do, you stop and you talk to them. And, mm-hmm. and and because you never know how they're go, you're going to touch their lives and they're going to touch your lives. And another thing that I learned very early on, especially when I was uh, doing telemarketing, is that you always have to have a smile on your face because people can can hear can see you through your voice. Absolutely, definitely. I can hear you on the radio. Yeah, you can you can definitely see somebody smile when they talk. If they're, they're cranky, it comes right through, I think, too. I totally agree with you. I had a job like that um, maybe, gosh, I'm 44, probably 20 years ago now, and it was a telemarketing job, and, and um, they used to say that, too, very important. It, it, we'd hang signs up in front of us while we were on the phone that, that would say something to the effect of smile. They can, they can see you through the phone. Um, it's very good advice, very good. So let's go back to percolate because I'm percolating with you. Uh Yeah, so it's a nine-point book, and it started uh, part of it because of your dad and uh, his uh, willingness to overcome his uh, sickness and how he probably outsmarted all of the nurses when when he was in rehab. What else can you tell us? Well, it, it, again, it takes people from that I can and I'm enough point um, through to sort of examining your life, like what's going on in your world. Uh, there's an inventory that you can take, like a, a little exercise that you can do to kind of figure out what's going on in your world right now. Um, it encourages you to, I, to uh, create your own it's all coffee metaphors, you can tell by percolate, but there's things in it like create your own best blend or uh, espresso yourself. And, and it, it takes people through basically a, a, the, trans, the process of transformative change. 
um, from, from the very first point where you discover changes happening to you, for you, with you, <laughs> you know, all the things, you know, it might be something that's happened to you. There's several examples in the book of, of um, illness or, um, you know, other things that have happened to people. And it, it just kind of goes through the process that, that people follow. And I love, to, I love to kind of include my own process in there as I talk about percolate because I've, um, I have terrible food allergies and um, I've nearly lost my life a few times with my, with my food allergies. And, um, and just oh, what you o- overcome when, some, when you want to change. I saw that that on uh, one of your uh, social media sites where you had posted, well, first of all, tell people about your new page on Facebook for food allergies. I I mean, people need to know about this. Yeah, and and it's an example of sort of toward the end of percolate, of, you know, of of the percolate process. So let me kind of explain. So like, let's say I'm in the hospital and I've had an allergic reaction that I've survived barely survived, but I've survived. And I wake up, you know, like for example, I woke up and I was on all sorts of machines um, to get my kidneys working again and things like that, just, you know, very, very near, near-death near experience there. And at that moment when you wake up and, okay, I'm alive, I've survived this, you really have a choice and it's, it's, a, it's a moment and it may be several moments that follow several days, several weeks, several months, even years, but you have a choice right then and there to how your attitude's going to go. It can either go with what's happened or, you know, you can fight the change. And percolate encourages you to kind of go with what's happened and get stronger and stronger and stronger despite any setbacks like, you know, over the past 14 or 15 years of having food allergies. I've had numerous setbacks, numerous trips to the emergency room, and I choose to keep going and going and going. And as you get more comfortable with your change, even if it's losing weight or food allergies or a stroke and, and you're surviving and continuing to get stronger and stronger and stronger, what I really encourage people to do is find their community and find their we and us and find a, a purpose uh, and meaning that go with, that correspond to maybe what's happened to you. So, for example, if you're a breast cancer survivor, you might go on Facebook and find other breast cancer survivors. If you're a food allergy um, survivor like I am, I live my daily life with anaphylaxis, I've created foodallergyzone.com and Facebook to help prevent deaths from food allergies because in the food allergy community, kids are are passing away from uh, eating things like pudding and donuts and cookies and things like that that have nuts in them or milk or, or any of the other allergens. And so that's that piece that you can kind of percolate out into the world to help other people. Does that make sense? Yeah, one of the two of the words that you just used, choice and uh, finding people, kind of illuminate with me because uh, choice matters. You can make bad choices and you can make good choices, but they're still your choices. You've been given free will. And then there is the other side of that coin, and that is when you're around certain people. Let's just say you're around negative people. If you choose to be around those negative people, they're going to have influence on you. But as you just pointed out, you can make the choice to find people like the breast cancer survivor you were just talking about. Mm -hmm. Those are inherently 
very, very important choices in life. And uh, even though certain people are going to continually make bad choices in their life, that does not mean you condone it, but you would certainly not want to surround yourself with people like that. Would, would you have an agreement in that? Oh, absolutely. In fact, um, in the book I call uh, those people naysayers. Um, I think a lot of people call people like that naysayers. Um, but I think one of the, if we go back to changing for a minute, I think one of the hardest things to change is um, is out of a situation where you're surrounded by that. Like, for example, let me just give an example of um, you're, you're in a household and you have a family of people doing drugs around you or drinking or overeating or whatever it is around you that you yourself decide, you know what, this isn't quite for me. Percolate can help you, the percolate process can help you remove yourself from that situation by making a choice, knowing that you're enough, being bold, taking a look at your life and being strong and learning to express yourself and, and so forth. And, and removing yourself from that situation. And sometimes you might need other people's help, of course. That's the other thing I, I like to think of. And when you say naysayers, those might not be the right people to help you out of that situation. You might need to find a new community. And I think one of the things that happens, and chime back in here, especially with the, you know, your, your life that you've led, don't you find that when, sometimes when you make a choice to do something different, the crowd tries to suck you back in? Some, yes, and you know, and that's going to lead me to another question. Um, and I have been sucked back in <laughs> to get back because mm-hmm. part of me, my passion. I said this on your radio show: is I love South America, Latin America, two of my passions, Latin America mm-hmm. and health. And so I've been sucked back into going back into Latin America and doing projects for other companies. But talking about change and transformation and reading uh some of your background you you've you've done a lot elizabeth and you were on the path of becoming a neurosurgeon well it's funny and i was talking to katie earlier about this you know we were trying to we're trying to to you know, she she helped put the psychology behind the book. You know, make sure that it was psycholo- psychologically sound because you just don't want to put a process out there and you know, hope it works with people and so forth. So with her 25 years of experience, she went, yep, 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 that's right, and chimed in where she could and so forth. But one of the things that I think um, about me that I am coming to realize that from a very young age, I think I was really put on the planet to help. It's the first time I've really ever said this out loud other than with Katie or my husband or my mom, but to really teach tolerance. I love, I love helping people sort of see the light instead of the dark. And I've just witnessed so many different things. But, yes, I was on a neurosurgeon's path um, as, a, as, a young, as a young child. I went to college when I was 13. Um, and I mean, I started college when I was 13 to be a neurosurgeon. And I quickly, um, there were two, two moments in my life where I quickly discovered that that was probably going to be too sad. That wasn't going to be um, po- enough positive 
for me. I don't know. It just was too, it was sad to me. Um, the same thing with the news industry. I thought I wanted to be a news broadcaster for a really long time. I've done stints with anchoring and reporting and so forth. And it was, it was sad a lot to me. And I really felt like my whole life my energy was, has been best placed in situations where I can um, help people, and I use the word percolate, and help people overcome or help people learn to change or, um, and, and so forth. It's kind of being you know, very cause-focused. Um, I, lo- I love you know, when there's a cause to promote or talk about and so forth. That, that no. answer that question? I'm not positive I did. Yeah, you know, there, it brings up uh, something you were talking about, uh, finding ways, if you will, to find out really who you are and maybe even going a different place or, or finding a different location or something mm-hmm. and, and to kind of discover things. Well, I, I can relate to that. We went to Mount Shasta up up. Oh, uh, and one of the things that that uh, seemed to stick in my mind was the entire area, the people's mindset was one of a, a you might say, a peace at heart. And, of course, coming from the area that we uh, live in, of course, the melting pot, uh, to come into that helps you grasp your own inner self and uh so just relating to the fact that, yes, you, you can see something when you move out of an area and uh, come to grips with something that you may not have known existed until you actually made that little change. So I, I appreciate what fun? you are saying. Yeah, oh, I think that's so cool that you guys did that and went oh, there. And... I was drawn to Lemuria. I'm, uh-huh. I'm big into Lemuria. Have you ever... Heard of Lemuria? I'm, I'm from North. I moved to Maine from North Lake Tahoe, um, so I know kind of where you're where you're talking about and so forth. But I I love it. I love le- leaps of faith. I just love leaps of faith. Uh, either either you try and go do something that your you know heart is sort of telling you to do, or your gut's telling you to do, or something that you've always wanted to do, or when you place yourself in a really uncomfortable situation. You know it's uncomfortable, but you know you got to do it just to grow and learn. Exactly. I love yeah, those moments. That's very relatable. You know, most people, uh, when they get stuck in those little pads, I call it, you know, being stuck in their little box, and they don't try to think or do something outside the box, then they really let life kind of pass them by. And yeah. to be able to grasp something that you did not know was there you have to look someplace you've not ever been or uh, examined before, right? Yeah, that's yeah, I have your stomach if you think about it. Sorry, Stephanie. Sorry. That's okay. So, go ahead, Elizabeth. Sorry. Well, I was going to say that that's the kind of stuff right there that ties people in knots, though, where you just are, you know, like you said, you're kind of in your box and you don't know whether you should actually go to Mount Shasta or not. It's like, I don't know. Am I going to like that or, or not? Or, you know, and, and aren't you glad you did that? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Well, he, 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 when I first came up with the idea, he, he was like, what? We're going where? <laughs> but it was, it was a great trip. I, I, I loved it 
minute of it. But there's something I have to say, Elizabeth, and I've been wanting to tell you this on a personal note, but I'm going to say it on um, on the air for people who don't know you yet. They should go to your website and take a look at your picture because there is an aura about you. There is a white light that surrounds you. I'm very good at reading and I'm highly intuitive. And when you started talking earlier uh, about being sad, going down the neurosurgeon path, and sometimes being sad in the broadcast industry. I don't know um, what it was, the, the sadness that you saw on the broadcasting side. I can understand the sadness on the neurosurgeon's path because I have worked in hospitals before, and sickness is not a happy thing. But I could see your light shine through just through your persona that you are where you need to be. Thank you. That's a really good compliment. I really, really appreciate that. And on the on the news broadcasting side of things, I think what I'm drawn to on the news isn't what most you know isn't going to be what a 30 minute broadcast is about. I think my my best moments watching the news are on like CBS this morning. Um, that's that's all kind of really cool positive news. But I love I love it at the end of the evening news. Sometimes when they do that, here's our quick two-minute segment on um, the, the kiddo in Michigan who made the touchdown or, you know, some really positive, um, inspirational story. And so if I could fill my day up doing those kind, that kind of TV, that would be awesome. <laughs> but when I quit when I was assigned to a body in a field, I'm like, I can't do it. And I just, I just stopped doing it. I'm like, I cannot. I don't want to do this. And I just kind of knew you. in my heart that um and there there's much importance and and great respect for news broadcasters they work really hard at what they do and that there's a tremendous need for the news um of all kinds but i i just felt like that wasn't quite for me um let me ask you have you ever considered doing web web tv i you know i do a little bit here and there um not too much we've been in talks over the past few years to do a best ever you show on various networks and so forth. Um, so I, I do a little bit here and there. I do a little bit of YouTube videos and so forth. But um, being sometimes being a mom of four boys takes a lot of priority in my life um, over hair and makeup and <laughs> all the things that it takes to be on, on TV and, and looking good on TV and so forth. So radio has been a fantastic medium. Um, as I'm sure you know, um, where you can you know do shows in your sweatpants with your hair on top of your head and no one can see you. <laughs> That's yeah. lovely. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been told that I have a face for radio. Yes, uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. That's <laughs> cute. <laughs> but I definitely uh, have that right now for sure too. So hey, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, we we can relate. Yeah, there's not yeah. going to be a time where. Uh, uh, you know, you don't investigate a lot of different things, and opportunity uh, strikes in all kinds of uh, different manners. And when a person, again, stops looking through that windshield of life, you miss all those opportunities. But uh, when you're that positive and you stay focused on what's really important, really important is not what you regret yesterday, it's what you are doing today. And uh, mm-hmm. those are the kinds of things that uh, I like to tell 
talk to my clients about. We, I do a lot of bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. But it's a, a very helpful tool to get people to examine. Sometimes you, they feel like they're examining themselves when they're bringing poor attention to themselves instead of looking for the positives. So talking about the positives, Elizabeth, you have branded yourself as the best ever you person, go-to person, and that is solidified with the book Percolate, but a lot of the listeners probably do not know or realize that you also have an entire Best Ever You network. Yeah, it's um, it's grown. I'm sorry? <laughs> it's grown. That's the best way I can respond to that. It, You know, uh, Best Ever You started as um, I was in a I was in a financial industry job. I was in the financial industry for 17 years or so, and um, one day said, you know, there's got to be something better than this. Called a neighbor down the street, uh, Debbie, and we started googling different websites because at the time she had far more technical knowledge than I had, and. Uh, she said, what do you think about best ever you? Best, I, I said, best you, best something. Best, and she said, you know, best ever you is available, and we grabbed it. And it started there. It started as a really, really tiny company. I featured my friend from kindergarten on the website, Kathy, Kathy Zapera, and uh, it, it's grown um, since 2008. It's, it's just a lovely community of people that do genuinely percolate peace and do genuinely try to help people be their best. And it's writers, and and I love it when people join our community, like the like Andy Webster. He's a friend of mine from uh, high school who just joined the network, and he hasn't. He decided that he finally wants to put his CD out. He's 45 or so, just like I am. And so, and he's a father, and and all these sorts of things. And he's put a CD out there by goodness, and he sent me a T-shirt that said. Webheads, Andy, Andy Webster's, um, and then it's crossed out followers and says stalkers. <laughs> it's very funny, uh, but I'm so proud of him for doing. He's doing it, and regardless of what happens, he has a lot of courage and great faith in himself, and he's got to be just so darn proud of himself right now. Um, for, for doing his thing and taking an I can do it type of approach. Well, that's the, the only way fun. to be. I learned from my mother growing up, and I attribute a lot of who I am today because of my upbringing. And my mother used to say to me when I was a young kid, you can have anything you want, the world is your oyster. And I literally took that to heart. And I have my own personal quote. My own Stephanie quote is, if we awaken our higher consciousness, then we will live our passion. And once we live our passions, we will definitely have success. Absolutely. And success is a a strange word, isn't it? Because some people define success with money, some people deci- define success with putting a CD out, and it's all over the map. And that's where that whole jealousy thing comes into place and the fear that you're not enough and all of this stuff. And you can really spin your wheels in that mode instead of actually doing it. 
Well, there's a lot of your passion by doing it, meaning following your passion. Sorry. Unfortunately, there's a lot of darkness out there too. I mean, there's not there's not enough of us light workers yet. We're we're growing in numbers, and the I believe our planet is starting to take on that vibrational shift. And very soon, I I think most of the darkness is going to going to be behind us. Let's hope so. I hope so. Yes. So, Elizabeth, tell tell our listeners how they can find you on the web. Because I'm going to type it in the chat room. Uh, you can find me by typing even percolate book now. It's kind of fun. <laughs> but I'm I'm Elizabeth Hamilton Garino. It's uh, spelled G-U-A-R-I-N-O. And um, I operate besteveryou.com, besteveryou.com. I can always be reached on email. It's Elizabeth at besteveryou. I'm on Twitter, Best Ever You. I'm on Facebook, Best Ever You. And I'm starting to be out there with Percolate and then Food Allergy Zone. Does that help? Yeah, oh. you were kind of fast. So all I got out here was oh, besteveryou.com. But <laughs> that's and, and a good one. Yeah. Google Percolate. Because yeah, you can Google Percolate book or you can Google Elizabeth Hamilton Garino and all the listings um, come right up. Uh, so tell us about the um, your... You opened up a, a page on Facebook for the allergies, food allergies and sensitivities, correct? I did. It's um, That's called it's um, facebook.com slash food allergy zone. So it's food okay. allergy zone. And uh, that is a page anybody can join. That's the community for the website foodallergyzone.com. And what I, what I love about this website and Brian, Brian Hom is also in the book, Percolate His Story. Um, it's, I'm the co-founder of Food Allergy Zone with Brian Hom. And Brian and the Hom family uh, have lost their son, BJ, to uh, food allergies. Um, he, they, the family went on vacation when um, he turned 18 to celebrate his high school graduation. And they went upstairs, put their luggage away, came back down to eat at the buffet, and um, their son ate uh, peanuts, um, which were not disclosed and very disguised in uh, chocolate mousse or pudding type of type of dessert. And he died in the I think the lobby of the hotel while they were oh. trying to uh, save his life. And um, I'm so disturbed by that um, and and hearing that. And I've known him for quite a quite a while now. And I and it and part of his healing process is to co-found Food Allergy Zone and help prevent additional food allergy deaths. So it's percolate in motion, um, and I'm so honored to have his story in the book and to have co-founded Food Allergy Zone with Brian. And we really are doing our best to find a cure for food allergies to help people live their daily life. We we call it alive and thrive with food allergies, and uh, it's a it's a one in thirteen kids right now um, has a food allergy. And not all anaphylaxis like I have, like I'm allergic to nuts and peanuts, fish and shellfish and true anaphylactic form. Uh, But there are a lot of children out there with food allergies. And my concern is is that population grows up. It's not just schools that need epinephrine. It's going to be workplaces, hotels, airplanes, you name it. I think epi shots are going to be needed like, you know, the defibrillating machines defibrillators. 
Um, Anaphylaxis, for people who don't know, is is a, a severe, severe uh, issue and lead, can lead into instant death. It does, yeah. If I, if I, for example, eat a peanut butter sandwich, we are going to be um, fighting desperately for me to survive. Uh, with, and I carry epinephrine in my purse, and I have a medic alert bracelet on my left arm in case somebody's around me and doesn't know I have those allergies. But, uh, yeah, anaphylaxis is a life-threatening allergic reaction to a substance, and it's usually eight main allergens, but you can really be allergic to anything, including medication uh, and, you know, a variety of things. Like, you know, anybody can really have anaphylaxis, but I, I have definite uh, daily... Living yeah, in Maine and, having, and being allergic to shellfish would kill me because I love lobster. Yeah, living in Maine and so forth. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? That That's where I live. <laughs> that's an, yes. an allergy. I remember when I was Mrs. Maine a few years back, um, that my mom kept saying, you know, have a lobster industry sponsor you. And I'm like, that's kind of not going to work. I don't think I don't think I could genuinely say, boy, I love lobster. <laughs> no. Um, so it's funny. But, How old uh, were you, you when you realized that you had food allergies? I developed them after my second pregnancy. So I did not grow up with this. In fact, I was the kid with the, you know, Christmas time with the nutcracker and the, and the bowl of all the mixed nuts and so forth. And, in fact, one of my old boyfriends called me the lobster lady. <laughs> I think I nicknamed the lobster lady because um, I loved lobster. And, and there's a story there um, about him not being able to pay the bill at the end of dinner because <laughs> I ordered lobster. And I got nicknamed wow. the lobster lady. So, um, yeah, that was a long time ago. But anyway... So now I developed them after a, a pregnancy, and it was a really interesting pregnancy because the whole time I craved shrimp and um, peanut butter. Entire pregnancy I craved shrimp and peanut butter. And uh, my logic says maybe I gave something to uh, my son to make him not allergic or something. I have no idea. But that entire pregnancy I spent um, with shrimp and peanut butter sandwiches, just craving it. And I don't wow. know what happened. And then- Shortly yeah, after. And I would have never thought about food allergies while I'm sitting there eating, you know, all this. I would have never, I didn't even know food allergies existed. And um, so that was, oh gosh, she's almost 17 now, so that's how long I've had food allergies. Did you ever do uh, some extensive research on how m- maybe a, a probability that would create a food allergy? Do you have any uh, substantive uh, things that you've thought about or, or read about that uh, research that could lead you to believe that that maybe X caused Y or something? You know, not not really. In fact, I remember when I very first had this allergy, food allergies weren't widely known or talked about or anything. I felt so odd when I, I mean, I felt so socially strange and awkward and we didn't quite know what was wrong with me for probably four or five years. Uh, We thought I was having seizures. My dad said, boy, I'm going to take you down to the Mayo Clinic. I think you're having seizures. And and the doctor said, no, this is is a food allergic reaction. We just saved your daughter's life uh, in in 1998, 1999. There were two really bad episodes of uh, food allergy reactions. And, uh, but... You know, I've done lots of different research, but there's not I, there's not really any cure or anything that's, you know, happening. There are some 
desensitization um, things going on. Um, but I'm so severely allergic to, say, for example, peanuts, that when they did the skin test on me, um, not knowing how bad I was, I almost died from that. You had what now? What 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 happened? You know, like a, they do. A, when you have allergies, this is the way they did it. You know, back however many years ago, they did skin testing. You know, they put a little bit of the allergen underneath your skin. They have now they have blood blood work that you can do, and they have skin tests and all these different things. But back way back then, they did skin testing on me to see to try and find which foods I was allergic to, and I nearly um, died from that. Wow! Very scary. So, Elizabeth, you know, God forbid you're in a restaurant and they do not disclose that there's an additive in whatever you might be ordering. You're in danger. I am, and I I so, I I can't say this enough to people with food allergies. Eating out is a 50-50 shot, I think, you know, or, or, you know, I don't know exactly what the probability is, but I always feel like I have a 50-50 shot of making it out alive and back out that door uh, because of the cross-contamination and somebody maybe thinking you're not serious or somebody not speaking a language that they can, that they understand or whatever. Eating out is probably one of the most socially terrifying things to me at this point still in my life. Um, it's a, it is a subject I deal with on a daily basis and probably causes a little bit of anxiety, a lot of anxiety, and it's, it's something I avoid unless I absolutely know. I've talked to the chef, I know the food, I know maybe the chain, and even then I tend to be a very, very healthy eater. So I back it up even a step further and say, well, that's not good for me anyway, so I'm probably not going to eat that anyway. Wow. I'll tell you. So then what happens when you take a trip, when you, when you go on vacation? Same thing. It's very scary. And so what we do as a family, you know, keep in mind, it's not just me living in this house, but five other people. Uh, and so the entire household is... Um, nut-free, peanut-free, and so forth. We're still crazy people, but <laughs> but uh, we're, it's my, my little joke, we're still wacky and crazy and nutty, but the, the house itself is clear of all those food, foods. And so when we go on vacation and things like that, we tend to stay in places that have a full kitchen or like uh. a condo or timeshare or something like that so that I can go to the grocery store and cook my own food. But it's, it can be very awkward to be out to eat at a new place and, and wonder if they've cooked your steak next to, you know, the walnut-encrusted, you know, ayahi, and if you're going to live. And so you have to be very specific, and um, especially as you, uh, you know, there are a lot of children right now with these food allergies is what I'm trying to say. So the mothers protect the children or the fathers protect the children or the siblings or whoever's helping the child. But as the children grow up, uh, unless they're coached and taught all these things, it can be very scary. Yes, and and I don't ever encourage anybody to live their life in fear. We want to live our life with courage. So I flip that around a lot, and I've got coping techniques and things that I do when I'm out to eat to make it fun for me. It doesn't have to necessarily be about food. Um, And my kids don't have food allergies, so if my husband wants to go eat um, Thai food or Chinese food or something like that, which I know I'm definitely not going to eat. He takes one of the kids. 
So at your your site, foodallergyzone.com, it's Mm -hmm. a community in which um, you're you're educating? We are trying to do that. And keep in mind, it's a newer website, so it's going to evolve and change with us and with what people are asking for and so forth. But uh, yes, definitely, we're trying to to really educate people. We're trying to help people. The, The mission there is to help people stay alive and thrive with food allergies, and then um, BJ, or, I'm sorry, Brian, excuse me, Brian is also um, very much on a mission because he has another child with peanut allergies um, to really find a cure and really um, help. He does a lot of food walks with FAIR, and he's very deeply involved with the community out there in California to help find a cure for food allergies or at least some, you know, some other um, ideas to help people. Medically. So how how can our listeners and your listeners, because I know you have a global database of listeners who love you and adore you, how can we support bringing more awareness to the world about food allergies, especially for children? I think one of the biggest ways to do that right now is to mostly be be more and more aware that food allergies really exist. I think a lot of people still think they're a joke or they confuse it like with a gluten intolerance. There's a lot of that right right now where people are choosing to be gluten-free and things like that. Yeah, that's, that can be a food allergy as well. But we're, what we're really trying to show people and tell people is that pe- kids, like another boy just lost his life um, a week ago from peanut butter, um, a, a baseball age child he just lost his life and I've, I've got him I can pull that up here on food allergy zone and give you that information but to the I think the biggest thing would be to to really just keep it in the back of your mind and in the forward part of your mind to tell people that there are really food allergies and that and that if you come across somebody with a food allergy to really take it seriously uh, so what if, because they're oh, not faking it a lot of people think it's just a joke so uh, maybe, uh, you know, what comes to my mind immediately is the first level of education should be uh, to, to also at the restaurant level, that they should be prepared to realize. We are, more and more. I think more and more restaurants are doing a very, very good job. In fact, um, sometimes people, different restaurants have maybe some food allergy menus. It depends on the restaurant for sure. Um, But along with the nutrition information, um, there is food allergy information. In fact, I was just—it's Halloween, and I was thinking about candy. Not that I'm a really big candy eater, but I was thinking, if I've actually wanted a piece of candy, what can I actually eat? And I went on to Hershey's website, and they do just a beautiful job of identifying which candy has is cross-contaminated or contains peanuts or almonds or what's completely allergen-free. And they do a fantastic job on their website and with their food labeling. So it's, it's reading food labels, it's restaurant awareness, and also um, those epi, getting, getting kids with the allergies to carry those epi shots and getting schools and businesses and so forth to have the epinephrine on hand. Does epinephrine kick in immediately? Yes. It's a life-saving. And it's a shot? It's a shot in the thigh. Wow. So. And the little boy who just lost his life is Giovanni Cipriano. 
in New York. I saw you posted something about that. My heart went out to that family. And yeah. did, did the family not realize that he had food allergy or it was oh, no. an accident? It's an it was an accident. Yeah, he had. Everybody knew he had food allergies. Yeah, and that's that's what happens with all all these um, allergy deaths. It's it's accidental. But when I say to take it seriously, I've heard uh, there's a lot of bullying, of course, with uh, the children in the schools and so forth. I've heard instances. Somebody came up to me while I was doing a food allergy walk and told me their child had been bullied. Somebody smeared peanut butter in their sandwich to see if their allergy was real. Oh, my God. That's yeah, terrible. Yeah, that's the kind of thing the kids are facing in school. Right. That, 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 that I just don't terrible. understand. No. Well, maybe, maybe you are going to be the national spokesperson for food allergies. I would, I, I would sure love that or just to, just to do my part. And that's, the, that's back to percolate. It's, it's doing your part to, you know, in the book, you know, step eight, by the next round, and step uh, point, I can call it point, or step point nine is to percolate peace. And it's, it's all about creating that community and the following and helping other people. Like I'm to the well, point, there were, if, you had, if we had had this interview years ago, I don't know if I would have been able to talk about what had happened to me with food allergies. I was in so much pain from that having happened. I, my husband, I would literally get jealous of him sometimes with what he would eat. Mm. I, I, would, I, I would imagine, especially growing up and loving certain foods that <laughs> you can't have today. I, I hear you. Yeah, and uh, really in a lot of pain. And, and he, has, he has just wonderful, and my children are wonderful, and the food allergy community has been fantastic. And it's a, it's a real close-knit group. And I, I, I always thank Gina Close were kind of scooping me up in, uh, I think it was 2006 now, she said, Elizabeth, would you be in my book? And I was like, what for? <laughs> you know, just me, what do you, what do you want me in your book for? And she said, I, I would really like you in my book to show children that you can grow up and be anything you want to be with food allergies. And she did this fantastic book called One of the Gang. And uh, another person that's in the book is football uh, great Jerome Bettis. He has yeah. an allergy too. Yeah, he does. Uh, he has an allergy, and so she featured adults with food allergies to show kids that you can grow up and be anything that you want to be. That's and I thank her for that because that got me. Uh, I'll tell her I talked about her tonight because that really got me um, on the process of healing. Big, big step right there. Mm-hmm. Big, you know, you, right you right said there. something earlier. You said something way back in the beginning of this entire interview about uh, feeling connected. And I like to say that the first true step to self-healing is connectedness, feeling that the feeling that we are all one and that we all belong to the same, um, we all come from the same source. So... That beautiful. And I put a post out on LinkedIn. Somebody, uh, I saw this beautiful picture on somebody's website. It was a baby elephant, and it was being, the elephant just lost its mother. And so a man, a human, was cuddling and holding Hmm. the baby elephant who was grieving for his mother. 
so that that captured me so so deeply that I wrote on the caption I, I said connectedness is the first step to self-healing. Well, that thing went around like wildfire. It has over 48,000 views on LinkedIn. That's fantastic. I couldn't agree with you more. And when it's a, it's a really big lesson to teach people right there too. And that's, that's you know, not maybe said that way, but it's part of the percolate point because when you don't feel connected, you know, you feel the opposite, basically. You feel alone, you feel sad, you feel depressed, you feel scared, you feel fear, you feel all of those different things. And I felt that. I mean, I really did. When, I first, when, the, when the doctor looked at me and said, you're lucky you're here and you have food allergies, I'm like, food what? I've never had a food allergy. I've eaten everything in sight and I've been up and down overweight and, you know, I've, I've eaten the heck out of everything. And, and, what I turned in my later on through my own healing process, one of the things that I started to say also is this could be a lot worse. There are so many people who have so many different things that they go through. You know, food allergies, okay, so big deal. You can't eat a lobster anymore, you know. And and it really got put into perspective with my dad's stroke. You know, when you open your eyes a little bit, there are a lot of people that need help and need love and need to feel, you know, need compassion and all these different things. Um, and I, I just so totally agree with you with the connectedness. And once you feel that, like once, for example, once Gina um, stepped in and, and said, hey, you know, my son has this, you're not alone. I, I, up to that point, thought I am alone here. I'm the only person in the world with food allergies. And I spent a lot of time thinking that. I really did when I am, you know, what's wrong with me? You know, kind you of know, thing. And but also when you were diagnosed 17 years ago, society was not ready to accept it either. So no. it made it more difficult on you. Horrible. Yeah, absolutely um, strange. Even my family, it took my family years. My, my own mom even, you know, you're not allergic to that. You've always eaten that. It's like, no, something has dramatically shifted in my world. My mom takes it so seriously now. But for a long time, it's like, oh, just have a walnut. You'll be fine. You know, it's like, no, I won't be. I promise we're going to be in the ER. No. And that's, that's, the, that's the food allergy. When That's, you know, it's that whole getting people to really understand what's going on with you and and so forth, and sometimes things are more obvious and visible than others. Um, and that could, you know, it can be anything, anything. It, I, yes. I, can it, I tell it, you a quick story? I know I'm talking a lot, but can well, I tell you a story? Love, of course. Okay. I was in the grocery store a few days ago, and I, have, I love cats, and I have lots of cats, and I was getting kitty cat food. And this lady was bent down, and she was on her knees picking out cat food. And I was more bent over at the waist, bending down to look at the cat food. And she looked up at me, and she was probably in her 80s or so. She said, boy, you're lucky you couldn't bend over like that. Um, I can't. My body just does not do that. And I said, well, you're really lucky you can bend down like that because I don't think my knees could take it. <laughs> and we helped each other back up. <laughs> and we helped each other back up. And she started to cry. And I later learned she was 85. And wow. she said, you know, I used to do this with my husband, and my husband passed away four years ago, and I come in here 
once a week and I buy cat food, and do you know that you're the first person who has ever helped me up off the floor? Sometimes I get stuck. Oh, wow. Elizabeth, that is so... That, that's sad. That's and, very sad that nobody would offer to assist. Well, and I and I was talking to Katie about this earlier, sharing that story with her, and I said, I don't know if I should repeat that because it makes it sound like, oh, I'm the hero or something like that, and I don't want it no. to sound like that. What I want to what I want to say is, please stop and pause and think about other people, especially older people. Not everybody, you know. It it just seems like people go 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 go. They just don't stop and think. It could just be as simple as opening a door for somebody or reaching up. You know, like even me when I'm in the grocery store, I'm so darn short at five two. Hey, I can't reach things. You know, You're only it's five about two. Helping other, I'm tiny, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's about helping other people. And so when I say percolate peace and buy the next round and all these things, I really help each other, love each other, you know, really do your part if you can. Well, Elizabeth, we are on the same page. It, it, it's all about... Um, helping others, and, and we are all one, and we are all in this experiment, if you will. Life is an ex- life is an experiment, and we are the human experiment of the spiritual component. And that being said, Elizabeth, we had a great time. Uh, this show went over too, by the way. I'm sure you realize. Oh, I'm not even paying attention. I, I, you know who I see in the chat room is Deborah Oakland. I love Deborah Oakland. Talk about. Um, she just said the sound just stopped too. She's in the chat room. Talk about. She she runs um, Cur- Living in Courage on the on the internet. She's just fantastic. She is. The like, sound stopped. I didn't. I didn't end it. Yeah. No. I think it it goes into record mode. After a while, it does. It keeps going. Uh, the the show keeps recording, but it, we went over on time, so people have to listen to the end on replay. Okay, but but they'll yeah. hear us. Yeah, they'll hear us. They'll hear the end of the show just fine. <laughs> but, okay, uh, Deborah, I was well. I've been uh, chatting back and forth with uh, Deborah here on the in the chat room, so I guess you know her personally. Yeah, I do, and her story is in the book as well. She's oh, lovely. what. I was wondering if it was the Debbie you were referring to. Yeah. Um, not the Debbie who helped start Best Ever You, but she's she's got a, a story about her son in Percolate as well. Okay. Well, Elizabeth, I hope you're going to come back because I think we can do a lot of other shows about bringing peace. Oh, I, I would love to come back, and I would love to have you both on my radio show too. So So much fun and so... It just it helps other people, I think, and I just love you guys. I love well, your I love your voices. Actually, but I I've come to love your voices. You have you have beautiful uh, tone, and there's just such a peace about you. Oh well, That's thank nice you, Elizabeth. And I think I have the worst radio voice in the world. Isn't that something? Yeah. Well, you have a peaceful voice. I have what? A peace, very peaceful voice. Thank you. You, you you're going to make me. You're making me feel wonderful, and I appreciate that very much, and I appreciate you, and I feel a very strong connection to you. Um, you've helped me Thank a lot, you. and I'm, I'm sure I've shared things and helped you, as you said earlier, yep. in the show, and I'm grateful for that. 
and we will keep on sharing because another one of my favorite quotes is sharing is caring. And that being said, what would you like to say anything else? Give, give a, throw a pearl out there to close the show, a pearl of mm-hmm. wisdom, your best pearl from Percolate. Well, I think what's your why is what I would leave people with. What's your why, what's your reason, what's your passion, but really what's your why? Say that again, I didn't hear you. What's your why, W-H-Y, what's your why? What's your why? And that's, that's, that's basically what I mean, discover, really sit and think about what's your why, what, what motivates you, what are you passionate about, what do you want to do, so what, what's your reasoning, what's your why? What's your why? That's a good one. So you know what? Can we ske- we'll schedule another, another show very soon, and let's entitle it, What Is Your Why? We'll do a coaching show. Sure, that sounds fun. Very it fun. Does. It sounds like a great show. And I'm going to say goodbye to our listeners, and I thank everybody for being here tonight, and I know the show will be archived heavily. It was a great show, Elizabeth, so I can't thank you enough for sharing your story. It's a fascinating story, and you're a fascinating woman who has built a fascinating life uh, based on faith and love. And love. Faith and love. Faith and love. Well, thank you so much for having me on on your show, and best to you both, and I I can't wait to come back. Okay, thank you. God bless, and good night to everybody. Until next week. You've been listening to Aging Younger with David and Stephanie Tippy. You've just heard that alternatives to the sickness industry are alive and well, helping you to age younger. The Anti-Aging Clinic is located at 7200 West Commercial Boulevard in Lauder Hill, Florida. You can reach David and Stephanie at 954-742-4430. That phone number again is 954-742-4430. And you can learn more about them on their website, livelonger123.com. Join us every Wednesday and Friday at 1 o'clock for Aging Younger on 1040 WLB.